Uh, we've just been going through a series called Just Do It from James, the book of James. And this morning's title is Resist and Trust. It comes from James 1.13 to 18. And uh, introducing this, I want to say that there is a honey trap to be resisted and there is a God to be trusted. And if we don't understand that, we will get trapped. I want to say that again. There is a honey trap to be resisted, and there is a God to be trusted, and if we don't understand that, we are going to get trapped. Um, I'm going to begin with a little media file clip, so I'm going to just shut up and sit down and hopefully enjoy it. Kiyama has been keeping honeybees for more than 65 years. And these sunny forest clearings are perfect for his hives. But every year, Mr. Nakayama's hives come under attack. Whatever it is seems to be unfazed by a swarm of angry bees. Mr. Nakayama has put an electric fence around his precious hives, but even this doesn't seem to be keeping the culprit out. So he's called in some experts, and they've set up an elaborate trap laden with honey. All they can do now is wait. And it doesn't take long. Within just a few hours, news comes in that the trap's been tripped. <laughs> Professor Izumiyama and his team are here to help. Although it's wise to tranquilize it first. It's a young black bear. He strayed dangerously close to the edge of human habitation, looking for something to eat. Black bears have attacked people in the past. So for everyone's sake, he can't stay here. There's just enough room for the bear in the boot. Who knows what happened to the bear? He was very vulnerable, wasn't he? Totally at the mercy of those who'd entrapped him. But how come it's so easy to trap a fellow like that? How come it's so easy? Look at his physique. He is so strong. He's so impressive. He is so powerful. 
All it takes is this, the honey. This sweet, sticky, runny substance. Honey has the power to lure the black bear and then render him totally powerless. Totally at the mercy of those who trapped him. The love of honey was the black bear's Achilles heel in the, in the picture. And I want us to read what James has to say on this subject. James wrote this letter 2,000 years ago. It was written in Greek. And it's only verses 13 to 18 of chapter 1. And I'm going to read it in three different versions. You'll be pleased to know that they're all English. <laughs> and... Uh, So I'm going to read it from the NIV version, the New Living version, and the Message version, straight one after the other. Because the Bible in the original language, we don't speak it. And so we need help into translating what was actually said. So James 1, 13 to 18. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows... He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And the new living. And remember, when you've been tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entices and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God the Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give us birth by giving us his true word and we out of all creation became his prized possessions. The message. Don't let anyone under pressure give in to evil, say. God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and us only. We have no one to blame but the leaving, seducing, flaring up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. So my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. 
He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Powerful, powerful words. These words, even though they're written 2,000 years ago, are as applicable to you and to me and to everybody out there as they were the day they were written. I don't know if you've been watching the news this week, but if you have, you've likely seen this chap. Sam Allardyce, ex-England manager. Sam fell for a honey trap. Or should I say a money trap. £400,000 was the bit. Sam didn't realise that he was negotiating the deal with a reporter from the Telegraph who was undercover. It was going to be easy money. Just four speaking engagements, giving advice on how to get round the Football Association rules on transfer of players. That's all he needed to do. It was the love of money that lured Sam. He already had three million a year as England manager. So it wasn't that he was lacking in money. But let me tell you this. The love of money always wants a bit more. And it doesn't matter whether we've got one pound in the bank or 20 billion in the bank. The love of money wants a little bit more. That is the lure of the honey called money. And all of us are subject to it. And I'm not here to bash Sam. It's just that he's been in the news this week and we're just using what he did as an example. All of us are vulnerable. James makes it clear that we all have wrong desires. There are evil desires that come from the old nature within us. I'm going to go to the other extreme, as it were. You might say, well, Sam isn't a Christian. Well, I don't know whether he isn't. But presumably he isn't, and that he doesn't live by God's rules if he's not. But Charles Spurgeon, a very great preacher, said this. I've known some who preach the gospel with power, but live to depart from it altogether. I've known others who discharge the duties of deaconship and eldership with considerable diligence, who have afterwards given way to their evil passions. I've thought some of them to be the holiest men. While they've been praying, I've been lifting up the very gates of heaven. If anyone has said that that these would one day fall into gross sin, I wouldn't have believed it. James says, don't blame God. Don't blame God. To be fair to Sam, he didn't blame God. Sam said it is a victory for entrapment. Actually, Sam was on to something. You see, Satan and all his demons desire to trap us. He was on to something. It was a victory for entrapment. Entrapment is what the kingdom of darkness specializes in. They've had thousands of years' experience 
in polishing the fine art of entrapment. So Sam pointing the figure at the context, the bigger picture, the money trap, was true. But there was another truth that he didn't point the finger at. He didn't focus on his part. He didn't say, I was enticed. He didn't say, I put my foot in the trap, or rather his mouth. He didn't say, fair cop. He didn't say, I'm just another example of the millions and millions of people on the planet who fall every day for a honey trap. The love of honey. You know, there is legitimate honey out there that we can buy, that we can enjoy. There's plenty of honey around. The three big honeys are money, sex, and power. And the kingdom of God has given a framework in which we can enjoy money, sex, and power. In which all three are fantastic. Handled in the right way, money, sex, and power bring fulfillment. They empower people. They bless people. In a healthy environment, a godly environment, all three are lovely and sweet. Satan wants us to go for the honey to enjoy the pleasure that is illegitimate. And when we do that, eventually we get a nasty taste in our mouth. We always end up with something that feels wrong or bad or not pleasant. And I'm just picking out one very, very graphic example of that. It's in 2 Samuel 13. King David had a son, Amnon, and he desired his half-sister, Tamar. He thought it was love, but really it was just lust. He wanted to have sex with her. So he raped her. And immediately, Amnon's so-called love turns to hate. And he despises her. Two years later, Tamar's brother Absalom kills Amnon. The honey trap. Illegitimate. Ends up with a poisonous bite that gets us. James warns us that when we yield to evil desires or sinful lusts that arise from within us, that we are heading for death. John Owen, famous preacher, said this, Temptation is like a knife that may either cut the meat or the throat of a man. It may be his food or his poison, his exercise or his destruction. When, we, when I was a, a lad, we used to sing a hymn. And the hymn was this, Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you, some other to win. See, temptation gives each one of us a choice. Every time we are tempted, we have a choice. Satan appeals to our old nature for us to stray, and Jesus appeals to our new nature for us to obey. Every temptation we can stray or we can obey. 
We can either cut our throat, as it were, or we can cut the meat. Every time we choose to resist temptation, then we don't go for the honey, we build a good and godly character. Every time we choose to be honest, even when being dishonest would be of an advantage to us in the short term, every time we choose to be honest, we start to build the character of an honest person. Every choice builds the character. And it's the same in reverse. Every time we yield to temptation, for example, being dishonest, a pattern of dishonest words, dishonest actions, and we become dishonest people. Character is formed out of the choices that we make when we are tempted. James says to you and me, take responsibility. Resist evil. Don't blame God. Don't even blame the devil. Yes, he's out there trying to tempt, but don't blame him because it's within you. It's coming from the old nature. Resisting temptation can be very tough, can't it? In fact, anybody who thinks that resisting temptation is so easy that, you know, we might as well not even talk about it. It's just dead easy. Anybody think that? Put your hands up. Has nobody put their hands up? I've got an honest group of people in front of me today. If you are struggling with falling habitually, then I'd really encourage you after the, the message today to come and to the prayer team and, and share that with somebody, not that they can necessarily solve all of that, but they can help you and pray for you. And it could be that you need somebody to walk alongside you. But please, please do not be entrapped. God does not want you to be entrapped. So first of all, we've looked at resist. Very, very briefly, I'm going to look at trust. So James says, don't blame God because God is not tempting us because God never tempts anyone. You know, God is not an undercover reporter from the Daily Telegraph. Thankfully. God is not trying to trap us. God is not in the business of making honey traps. He never, ever does that stuff. Aren't you glad about that? God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. I love that message version of that line. Not only is there no evil in God, there is only good in God. Isn't that awesome? It's not just the absence of rubbish and muck and evil. It's the presence of all that is good. And I'm just going to read again verses 16 to 18 in the message version. So don't be misled 
my dear brothers and sisters, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Isn't that awesome? He goes on to say, who created all the lights in heaven, he never changes or casts a shift in shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all creation become his prized possessions. Or another version, showing us off as the crown of all his creation. These are awesome words. So here we have the Father of all goodness who gives good gifts, only good gifts, never bad gifts. He is the Father of light. And he has given to us a new birth, a spiritual birth, so that we may be brought into his family. And how has he done that? He's done that through his true word. Jesus Christ is the ultimate true word. The good news on the planet is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. In order to give us that new birth, God has paid a very, very high price. Paul, writing to the believers at Corinth, said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. Every time I I think about what Jesus did, it is absolutely mind-blowing that he left the perfect environment of heaven where there is no sin, no mess, no mistakes, just a beautiful, loving community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he came down and stepped into this world, born as an illegitimate child in a culture where to be born as an an illegitimate child was a massive taboo. So from his very birth, he was looked down on. And then when we fast forward to the end of his life, we find him in a courtroom being falsely accused. We find him being beaten almost to death. We find him being rejected. We find him being deserted. We find him hanging on a cross, bearing the punishment for my sin and the punishment for your sin. That's the price of the new birth. That's the price of the spiritual birth that the Father invites us into. This is the best gift. Out of all the gifts that God gives, this is the best. Do not become complacent. You know, one of Satan's tricks is When we receive a gift, we're thrilled with it, whatever it is. And one of his tricks is to make us complacent with it. And then think that we're owed something. Think that God owes me. God owes me a life free from pain. He owes me a life 
free from any trouble. He owes me a life with millions of pounds in the bank. He owes me a life that's trouble-free. No, he doesn't. God has given you his best. He doesn't owe you anything. But Satan twists the truth. He perverts it. Did it in the garden with Eve. Been doing it ever since. It's the honey trap. It looks so good. Moses chose to be persecuted along with his race, the Israelites, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, the honey trap is poisonous. It will get us in the end. We must never, never, never forget the price that Jesus paid to set us free from the honey trap. My Lord, what love is this that pays so dearly that I, the guilty one, may go free. I I love the way in which verse 18 ends that we are his prized possessions, that we are the crown of all his creatures. That's why we trust him. We trust him because he loves us, because we are very precious to him. He's proved it. What more could he do than he has done? You know, we are not like a black bear. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. We're more than bears, aren't we? It's easy to lure a bear into a honey trap. But we are not animals. We're the crown of his creation. We are the apple of his eye. He loved us. And always will. So as we come to God, we come to a loving, heavenly Father. We are loved sacrificially by the Saviour, God the Son. And we are loved by a very patient Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit has had centuries of dealing with people like you and me. And I've had some tussles with him. He's always right. (laughs) We can trust the Father. We can trust the Son. We can trust the Holy Spirit. I just want to say in closing, my heart is that we would be good sons and good daughters. Good sons and good daughters. That we would love God back. (laughs) And when we love God back, we do what he asks us to do. Because his love rules are good and perfect gifts that come down from above. And when we say, I don't want to do that, I'm going for the honey trap, we end up in a mess. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you that you are good.